Welcome and thanks for joining us on the podcast. Now let's join our Youth Director Sam Harris for his message. Good morning. How are we today, church? It's good to be in the house this morning. Hey, I want to say, if you're new or visiting today, we're so thrilled that you decided to join us this morning. I'm so excited to be bringing the word today, and I just want to say welcome. If it's your first time, your first time in a long time, or if you come every single week, welcome to church. It's so good to see you here this morning. Who here uh, has found it a bit hot recently? It's been a bit warm. I uh, saw a post on Facebook yesterday, and a bunch of our church people shared it. It says on this post, Alice Springs has just recorded its hottest day ever at 45.6 degrees Celsius, breaking the previous record set back in January in 1960 at 45.2 degrees Celsius. Yesterday was a hot day and we have our air conditioners iced up and they're pumping hard uh, so we can have a nice cool morning here. So welcome. Uh, I'm so glad to be bringing the word this morning. I want to preface this morning by reading a scripture. It's going to be on the screen in just a second. It's from the longest book in the Bible, the longest chapter in the Bible, and it's verse 105, and it says this. It says, your word, look at the person next to you say word, is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. Your word is a lamp for for my feet and a light on my path. I, uh, I, I think it's really important uh, to have a hobby. Who here has a hobby? Yeah. Raise your hand if you have a hobby. Go on, be proud. Yep, it's really, really important to have a hobby for refreshing you. There's plenty of science around uh, the benefits of hobbies. And I have a particular hobby that I engage in quite regularly. In fact, um, this hobby has taken uh, a pedestal in our house uh, as being important to our family, hasn't it, Haley? Um, in fact, it's so important to us. Uh, our hobby has its own room in our house. Who here has a room dedicated to their hobby in their house? Oh, yeah. Okay. A few of us. Well, yeah, the whole house. There we go. I, uh, I have this particular hobby involved in collecting and displaying uh, a particular uh, thing, a particular genre of uh, a particular item. And uh, it's really, really important to me. Uh, it's really special. Do you want to know what it is? It's Star Wars Lego. Star Wars Lego. If you know me well, you know that I love Star Wars Lego. You know the way to my heart is to buy me the most expensive Lego set that you can find at Kmart or Target and gift that to me anytime. doesn't have to be Christmas. But uh, I love Star Wars Lego. And I want to take a poll here. I want to take a poll here this morning. Who here has ever stepped on a piece of Lego? Raise your hand. It's the most excruciating pain that one can endure. I was doing some research this week on pain, and I I, I uncovered that there is a unit of measurement uh, for pain called dole. Okay, D-O-L, dole. That's how I'm pronouncing it as an American. You can pronounce it however you want. But uh, it's dole. It's a unit of measurement around pain. 
And I was looking up some of the statistics about uh, that pain measurement, and it turns out that stepping on a piece of Lego is even more of an excruciating pain, get this, than childbirth. It's even more excruciating pain than childbirth. Childbirth, oh, come on. Childbirth coming in at number three of the most excruciating pains possible. Number two closely followed was man flu. And then... And then there is stepping on a Lego. That's so true. Stepping on Lego is one of the most excruciating feelings one can have. And so I want to take another poll. Who here has ever encountered this... Uh, this example. Whoever's, who, who here has encountered this before? You wake up in the middle of the night for whatever reason, and you get out of bed, and it's pitch black, and uh, you begin to do the Spider-Man wall climb as you try to find the uh, the light switch on the wall. Who here's encountered that before? You're trying to find the switch on the wall. You start to get frustrated and punching holes in the walls and things like that, and. Uh, and then you step on a piece of Lego, or you stub your toe. Who here's ever encountered that before? You're walking around in the middle of the night, it's pitch black, and you, you stub your toe, or you, uh, you step on a piece of Lego. It hurts. And the reason that that happens, many of us would have encountered that before. If we put that verse back up on the screen, the reason that that happens is because we don't have a light on our path. We don't have a light on our path. You know, this morning I have uh, one ask for everybody here. As we look through God's word this morning, would we choose to let his word be a lamp to our feet so that we don't step on Lego or we don't stub our toe on furniture and let it light up our path? That's my prayer this morning. As we look through God's word over the next few minutes, that we would... uh, that we would look to his word and let it be a light in our lives. Let's, let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We're going to pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the heat, God. I pray, Father, right now for every single one of us here, that you would help us today let your word be a light to our path. Father, help us to hear from you this morning. Open up our eyes, our hearts, our ears, and our minds that we would be able to receive from you. I pray that not one person would leave here without having been changed by you today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen Amen and amen. If you brought your Bibles this morning, why don't you grab them out? If you have a phone with a Bible app on it or an iPad, a tablet, open it up and uh, flick through to your Bible app. If you don't have a Bible, that's okay. It's going to be on the screens uh, in a a few minutes. But uh, I want to give a bit of context to our passage this morning. We are going to be reading from the book, perhaps my favorite book in the Bible, a book that has quite literally shaped our earth. Uh, the book of Genesis. I want to open up the book of Genesis, and we're going to look at chapter 21 this morning. And we're going to read from verse 8. But before we do that, I want to give us a bit of context. So while you're finding that, Genesis 21, verse 8, I want to give a bit of context. We have a few characters in our story this morning. We have Abraham, an old man who is 100 years old. His wife, Sarah, who's in her 90s. And the newborn baby, Isaac. Isaac's just been born in this passage, and we're going to read about him in a second. But we've also got two other characters in the story. We have an Egyptian servant um, of Sarah and Abraham named Hagar. Look at the person next to you say Hagar. Hagar. 
And uh, we also have Hagar's son, Ishmael, the son of Hagar and the son of Abraham. And uh, basically what's happening in this story is Ishmael was born to Hagar a number of years ago because Sarah, Abraham's wife, couldn't have children. And so she was sad about that. She then had Abraham and Hagar have a baby so that Sarah could have a baby through her slave. And uh, now Ishmael is in his teens. And we pick up the story here in verse 8. It's going to be on the screens, but otherwise follow along as we read. So verse 8 says, The child grew and was weaned, and on the day Isaac was weaned, Abraham held a great feast. But Sarah saw that the son whom Hagar the Egyptian had borne to Abraham was mocking. And she said to Abraham, Get rid of that slave woman and her son, for that woman's son will never share in the inheritance with my son Isaac. The matter greatly distressed Sorry, the matter distressed Abraham greatly because it concerned his son. But God said to him, do not be so distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. Early the next morning, Abraham took some food and a skin of water and gave them to Hagar. He set them on her shoulders and then sent her off with the boy. She went on her way and wandered in the desert, Beersheba. When the water in the skin was gone, she put the boy under one of the bushes. Then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And as she sat there, she began to sob. God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said, What is the matter, Hagar? Do not be afraid. God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift the boy up, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. So she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. God was with the boy as he grew up. He lived in the desert and became an archer. Isn't that a cool story? It's a very cool story, and... uh, We'll get back to it in just a second, but tomorrow's New Year's Eve. Do you know that? Tomorrow is New Year's Eve, the last day of 2018. You know, tomorrow, many of us are going to stay up late, uh, have a party. We're going to watch the fireworks at midnight, draw our names in sparklers, drink non-alcoholic bubbly, of course. And uh, we're going to be celebrating the uh, year gone into the new year. And one way people celebrate that, one way people, uh, one tradition that there is around New Year's is New Year's resolutions. And I've got a few statistics here about New Year's resolutions that I want to show you. But New Year's resolutions are interesting because they're, uh, they're quite funny because of how low their success rate is of achieving a New Year's resolution. If you look up on the screens here, we have this pie chart around popular New Year's resolutions from 2016. And we have different themes or genres around uh, what a resolution is for a person. We see education, business and career, travel, money, relationships, hobbies like Lego collecting. And, um, and then we have that pales in comparison to the rest, health and fitness at 54%. What a huge statistic. 
these are the different things that people tend to, the most popular resolutions that people tend to uh, make for New Year's. If we flick over the next slide, an interesting uh, poll done by the U.S. News um, suggests that approximately 80% of New Year's resolutions fail by the second week of February. Isn't that just crazy? 80% of resolutions fail by the second week of February. The Statistic Brain Research Institute, which is on the next slide, stats say that just 8% of people achieve their New Year's goals. That means 92% of people who tackle a New Year's resolution fail at their New Year's resolution. Now, I'm not saying this to say don't make New Year's resolutions, but it just interests me how much research has been done around New Year's resolutions and the failure and success rate for New Year's resolutions. And so it got me wondering, what's the main reason why New Year's resolutions uh, have such a low success rate? And so I did some digging, and it turns out that it's not because people are lazy. So it's not because you're lazy. So give yourself a pat on the back. It's not because we're lazy. It's not because of finance. It's because overwhelmingly this one statistic crediting because of lack of strategic planning around making a New Year's resolution. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with laziness. But it's around strategic planning for your New Year's resolution. The purpose of a New Year's resolution is to build in our minds a level of certainty going into the new year. The truth is that New Year's are uncertain. New Year's bring a lot of excitement, but they also bring a lot of uncertainty. And so what people try to do is they create a resolution to say, I'm going to achieve X, Y, and Z. It's Z, not Z. X, Y, and Z into the new year. And... uh, And so, going into a new year brings a lot of uncertain realities. And uh, when I was thinking about this, I thought about Hagar and Ishmael as they find themselves in one of these uncertain seasons, in one of these uncertain realities, as Abraham pushes them out of the home that they lived in for their entire lives. The title of my message today... uh, is simply shift your focus. Look at the person behind you and say, shift your focus. I just stunned everyone by saying, look behind you. Look at the person next to you and say it with an American accent, shift your focus. Now I'm publicly giving people an opportunity to make fun of me, so. Shift your focus. I'm fascinated by this story. It follows the typical pattern of stories, as stories generally do, with a beginning, a middle, and an end. (laughs) Stop. At the beginning of the story, we see the conflict begin to arise as Sarah says, I want them out of the home. Uh, The conflict builds then as Abraham sends Hagar and Ishmael away. And then there's a resolution because God comes in and saves the day. But I'm fascinated by a particular verse in this story, two particular verses in this story, more than the rest of the story. And it's actually from the very beginning of the story. If we look at verse 12 and 13 on the screen, and we'll read...
This is Abraham distressed. He's praying to God, and God says to him, Do not be so distressed about what the boy and your slave woman, about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac your offspring will be reckoned. I will make the son of the slave into a nation also, because he is your offspring. You know, Abraham was really distressed because Sarah said, I want Hagar and your other son, Ishmael, out. I want him gone. And so Abraham's distressed. And before he kicks him out, before anything happens, before they feel as though certain death is, before death is inevitable, God comes in and says, don't be distressed about the boy and your slave woman. Listen to whatever Sarah tells you, because it's through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. And I will make the son of the slave a nation also, because he is your offspring. At the very beginning of the story, at the very root, before anything else had happened, God gave his assurances. God came in from the very beginning and said that everything's going to be okay. Do whatever Sarah says. That to me is very interesting because Sarah could have said a multitude of things. Sarah could have said, chuck him in a den of lions. Sarah could have sold him into slavery somewhere else. But uh, Sarah tells him to leave. And this distresses Abraham. But right at the beginning of the story, we see God has a plan. And God tells Abraham that there is a plan in motion. I want to share a story I've traveled a lot in my life. I find myself saying this, this thing recently. Um, some people here might find it humorous. I find myself saying these words when I was younger. I find myself saying these words. We, we, me and my wife, Haley, we work in, you know, here at the church. We're involved in the youth ministry. We run the youth ministry. And so I work with, we work with young people. We work with teenagers. And I find myself often saying when I was younger, and it's, you know, it's completely appropriate uh, in a youth ministry context. But I often then find myself saying it in other contexts, well, when I was younger. But uh, I'm pretty young um, to, you know, as far as, as far as young people are concerned. I'm 22 years old. And so for the purposes of this story, let me say when I was younger. <laughs> This would have been maybe 10 years ago. I, um, maybe a little less. I was uh, on an airplane. I've traveled a lot. Me and my family have traveled a lot. I was actually, I distinctly remember, I was on a plane from Sydney to Los Angeles, a 14-hour long-haul long haul flight. I had done this particular flight. I worked it out uh, sometime last year when I was working out some of my, my miles. I had done this particular flight Two dozen times, 24 times. So someone do the math, that's a lot of hours. I've flown to and fro and around the world, visited many countries. And I remember this particular time I was on this long-haul flight from Sydney to Los Angeles. And uh, we were sitting in business class. My family were in business class. And it was about two hours into the flight. And I was pretty kitted up. I was used to flying, so I had my noise-canceling headphones, and I had my travel pillow around my neck, and I was, I was, you know, I was pretty happy. And, uh, and the captain came on as I was watching a movie and said that they're going to begin serving dinner soon. And so I was looking forward to this. We've been in an airplane, air, airport all day uh, with just fast food, so I was looking forward to a decent meal. And I know a lot of us are thinking, well, airplane food's not that good. Well, we were on an airline that's known for having better food than most other airlines, so I was looking forward to this. Uh, looking at me now, it's somewhat apparent that I like food. Um, I really like food. I, I consider myself a foodie, and I like eating food. 
um, and you can just continuously put food in front of me and it will just disappear. And uh, we were on this plane and the captain announces that dinner is about to be served. And so we see the hosts and hostesses begin to bring the carts out. They're rolling them out, rolling them down to economy. And uh, we see the business class cart come out and they start to roll it down the aisle. And we're sort of at the back of the business area. And so I see the carts coming down. The drink cart comes by. I order myself a Coke. I get the Coke and I'm enjoying it. And the food cart's only a couple of uh, rows ahead of me. So I can see it. I can see the steam rising outside of this cart. I'm really looking forward to this. I see them handing bread rolls. I love bread rolls. You can put bread rolls in front of me and I'll eat bread rolls all day. I see them handing out bread rolls and uh, I'm getting excited. And then all of a sudden, while this is happening, Something, probably the scariest thing that ever happened to me on an airplane. All of a sudden, the plane drops. It didn't drop far. It didn't necessarily drop massively, but the plane did do a drop. It felt like all of my organs had gone and hit the roof of my mouth and dropped back down into the pit of my stomach. I felt sick. The plane dropped. It was a scary moment. Who's here experienced that kind of feeling? It was like on a roller coaster. It was just like that. It's not at all comforting to feel that two hours over the Pacific Ocean on a 14-hour flight. And I look out the window and I see lightning and and it's raining on the window. Um, And so it's a little bit scary. But uh, we're in this plane, and the plane drops. I see the dinner rolls, the bread rolls, lift out of place and then fall back down. It was a scary moment. And I was staring, obviously, intently at this cart. I could see the dinner rolls and everything. Anyways, the captain comes on promptly and says, folks, we're heading into a storm. Seatbelts on. Uh, We're going to have to suspend dinner until after we've passed through the storm. Come on. Seriously. So it's sitting literally within arm's reach. They had, I was literally probably the next person to get served. And I see the host. He sort of falls like this and is holding on. And he clicks on the cart and then heads back up the front and sits down in his seat. And so for the next 15, 20 minutes, as the storm's brewing outside and there's lots of turbulence, I'm holding on to my seat and I'm a little bit afraid. I'm, I'm young now. I'm a little bit afraid, but I'm most devastated that this food cart is inches from me, is within arm's reach, and I can't get any food. And I remember distinctly looking at the food cart, and I remember holding on to the armrest, and I remember praying. I'm like, Father in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Like the storm's brewing, and and the the plane's rocking us back and forth, and I'm like, I believe I can fly, uh, you know, on wings like eagles. Hallelujah. I'm praying, as you do. And, um, And anyways, as I'm praying, I distinctly remember... Uh, the voice of God say to me, I distinctly remember uh, feeling God put me at ease to say, this plane is built to do this. This plane is built to fly through this. And I've got this plane. And uh, when I was reading this story about Hagar and about Ishmael and how Abraham was distressed and saying, God, what do I do? God said to Abraham, I've got this. I've got this. And in the same way, when I was on that plane, even though I was devastated that I wasn't getting my dinner rolls and whatever food I was going to eat, I remember God saying, I got this. This plane's meant for this. Planes are amazing 
uh, inventions. They're amazing things. On the screens, as we move on to the next part of this, uh, this passage, Genesis 21, verse 15 and 16, this is where the conflict really comes in. This is the uh, emotional part of the story. It says, when the water in the skin was gone, Hagar puts the boy under one of the bushes. And then she went off and sat down about a bow shot away. For she thought, I cannot watch the boy die. And she sat there and began, began to sob. A bow shot is uh, 100 yards. Uh, so for reference for the Australians in the room, um, that's uh, just under 100 meters. It's uh, just about the length of a footy field. And um, it's a distance away. Setting a boy under there and, and walking away, you could just make out um, how far away that is. And then the, the next verse, Genesis 21:17 says, "God heard the boy crying, and the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, "What is the matter with you, Hagar? Do not be afraid." God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. Lift up the boy, take him by the hand, for I will make him into a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water. And she went and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. This boy is about to have a drink. I love how sassy God is. God says, what's the matter, Hagar? What's the matter? What's the matter? Do we ever hear God say that to us? What's the matter? Earlier in the story, we read about God's assurance given right from the beginning. God said to Abraham right from the beginning, I'm going to make a great nation out of Isaac and out of Ishmael. So don't be worried. And here, they're stressing out. Hagar and Ishmael are under a bush. And God calls out and says, what's the matter? Don't be afraid. That's a word for someone here this morning. What's the matter? God says, don't be afraid. And I really love this part. It then says, God has heard the boy crying as he lies there. In the New American Standard Bible, which is the Bible I normally read out of, because it's American and it's great, it says, uh, God heard the boy where he was. And I just think that's really special because God hears us where we are. No matter where we are, if we're under a bush or if we're in a palace or, you know, like Abraham, a rich man, God hears us where we are. And he opens our eyes. I wonder if the band could join me on stage. i got one more verse I want to read. I just love this passage. Uh, this is one of the passages in Genesis that I've passed by a number of times and maybe never given really any thought. And um, as I was preparing, I just felt God speak to me in this passage to say that uh, today, as we are in New Year's Eve Eve, and tomorrow will be in New Year's Eve, um, there are a lot of challenges and a lot of uncertainties facing us. We may feel right now a bit like Hagar, a bit like Ishmael, unsure of what's to come, unsure of where life's taking us. We may feel down in the dumps like there's no other way to go. And um, Romans 8.28 on the screen 
says this awesome verse. It says, we know that all things, that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. You know, today across this room, we may be here and uh, may feel like life's uncertain. There may be things going on in your life. I don't know everybody in the room, and I certainly don't know what's going on in all of our lives. But at the beginning of each of our services, um, our, our, our people say, if you're here today and, and uh, you have any issue that you'd like us to pray for, you, if you'd like us to stand with you in agreement for any issue, you know, the reality is, is every person here could put their hand up and say, yeah, I just need someone to stand with me. Because the reality is that we live in a world that's fallen. We live in an uncertain world. And as we prepare for 2019, a year of excitement, a year of uncertainty. I just think God wants to say that the promise was given long ago. The assurance was given long ago. I wonder if we could stand in this place this morning. We're going to pray and I'm going to talk to two groups of people this morning. And I wonder right now if we would... uh, As Pastor Ben says, put up our spiritual antennas. Or like I said before, if we would let the lamp of the word light our feet, light up our path. There are many challenges that face us. This year has been a difficult year for many of us. It's been a difficult year for me. But I love Jeremiah 29, 11 and what it says. It says, I know the plans I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And this morning my prayer is is that through this story of Hagar and the story of Ishmael, that God would speak to us to say no matter how dire our circumstances may be, no matter how uncertain things may be, that the assurance is already given that he loves us and that he's here for us. Right across this room, if we just bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm going to pray for two groups of people this morning. The first group of people I want to pray for is, if you're here today and maybe you don't really know this God that we're talking about, if you don't know Jesus, if you have never made a decision to come into a relationship with him, I want to give you an opportunity in just a moment to do just that. use this analogy at youth a lot um, that life is like a train and a train station and the train is going in one direction to one destination and life is happening around at a train station if you've been to a train station you know there's stores there's food stalls there's things to do and we are living our lives at a train station and There's a ticket booth, and at the ticket booth, there's a uh, ticket master. There's uh, somebody there who's uh, giving out tickets. And the beauty of these tickets is that they're free. They don't cost anything. You don't have to do anything to get them. You don't have to do good things to get them, or you don't have to work hard to get them. All you have to do is you have to go up to the ticket booth, grab a ticket, and walk and get on the train. 
and the train's going in one direction, and that is straight to God. And uh, sometimes the inconvenience of getting out of our comfort zone and walking towards that ticket booth gets in the way of us having a ticket. Sometimes we're not sure if we want the ticket, we lose the ticket or we drop the ticket. But all we have to do is go up to that ticket booth and grab the ticket from the guy behind the counter, and his name is Jesus. And uh, maybe you're here today, and it's time for you to grab that ticket. Maybe you've taken it before. Maybe you've thought about taking it before. Maybe you're not sure. But today, I think God's just calling out to people in this room saying, I need you to take that ticket, and I need you to get on that train with me. I need you to know that I love you. My promises are true. And so right across this room right now, as we look within and we are aware, and we're letting the word of God be a light to our path, I wonder if there are people in this room today who want to make that decision to say, yeah, you know, Sam, I need to grab that ticket. I need to take that ticket. I need to come into relationship with Jesus. I need to come into a friendship with Jesus this morning. If that's you, I just want to give you an opportunity. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to do anything. Nothing weird is going to happen. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I'm just going to ask you to do something very simple. Right now across this room, as we respect those who maybe will make this decision this morning, if we just all bow our heads and close our eyes, I'm just going to ask, if that's you today, and you want to get to know Jesus, you want to be in relationship with Him, you want to know that you're guaranteed heaven, then all I need you to do right now, if that's the decision you want to make, just with me looking around, all I need you to do is just raise a hand, look up at me, and you can put your hand down. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to know who I'm praying for in just a moment. So if that's you, if you're here today and you want to make that decision, why don't you raise your hand? I see that hand. That's awesome. That's great. Is there anyone else? There are hands going up. That's great. Awesome. I see that hand. Is there anyone else here? With no one else looking around, just between you and God. If that's you, I'm just going to leave it open for one more minute. Just raise your hand. Look at me so I know who I'm praying for. Awesome. If that was you, why don't you put your hand on your heart? We're going to pray. You know, the Bible says there's only two things you have to do to know that you're right with God. It says you have to confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And then the Bible says you will be saved. You know, we pray together as a family in all of our services, and we're going to do just that now. I wonder if, if that was you, you put your hand up. I wonder if you put your hand on your heart. And I, and I think if everyone else here would put their hand on their heart as well. As we stand together as family, I'm going to pray. And I, if, if you put your hand up and you want to make this your prayer, then really mean it. But I wonder if everyone else in the room would pray this prayer after me as well as we stand together as the family of Desert Life Church. Why don't you repeat after me? Dear Jesus, thank you for dying for me. I confess that you are Lord of my life. Come into my heart. 
change me. Help me to know your promises. I believe in you. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. I want to pray for another group of people here this morning. You know, maybe this morning you've been touched by this story of Abraham and his slave Hagar and their son Ishmael. A touching story of what seems to be certain death. And yet we see God speak from the very beginning and give his assurance and give his promise that he's looking after us. And that word is true for every single person here today. You know, 2018 may have been a hard year. You may be struggling through health challenges in your marriage, in relationships. I, like I said before, can't know what everyone's going through today. But 2019 brings some uncertainties as we move forward. But God says here today that the promise is there from the very beginning. That he's with us from the very beginning. And there's a plan from the very beginning. And he doesn't want us to stress now. But he wants us to not worry. And so I want to open this time up now. In just a moment the band's going to sing a song. And if that's you and 2018 has been a hard year. Or 2019's not looking great for you. And, and you just want to bring it and give it to God you want some of us to pray with you, I would be honored to pray with you. I'd love to pray with you this morning. I've been praying this week that uh, during this time, people would be sensitive to hearing God's voice say, that's you. You need to give it up to me and not fear. My favorite verse is tattooed on my arm and it says these words, do not fear for I am with you. Do not be dismayed for I'm your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you and I will hold you with my righteous right hand and I want to pray with people this morning so I wonder if while the band sings this song peace be still if that's you this morning and you would just like to give 2018 and 2019 to God you want to start fresh this is the last Sunday of 2018 it's the last chance we'll get to uh, do this and I wonder if you would step out of your seat come up the front if uh, you're shy or you're embarrassed or you're not sure grab the hand of the person next to you and say take me out with you take me out because uh, God wants to move today I've been praying that God will move and and speak to people today and the miracles will happen today and I'm believing that and so I'm going to come out and I'm going to pray for people and some of our leaders are going to pray with you but if that's you while this song plays I wonder if you'd step forward. We hope you have been encouraged by this message. For more information, check out our website at desertlifechurch.org.